Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. Actually, this is the first official episode of season four, right? I think second, John. Second. second. Okay. First guest of season four. Correct. Okay. But that is John Mon. I'm Jalen Chan, and we are co-hosts of the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. Very excited to be here. John, how are you doing? How are things going for you? Jalen, I have definitely had an interesting uh, two weeks since we last recorded together. Uh, I kind of gave you a, a brief update before we started recording because not all of it, I think I'm ready to share on here, but uh, I will just mention something interesting that happened to me uh, last week, last, last Monday. Uh, I was biking with another friend of ours who has also been a guest on the podcast, Pearson Lau. Pierce and I were biking um, up in uh, Union City, actually on a trail that I think our guest tonight has run on before. And uh, we did about 10 miles and like the last block back to my car. I took the last hill a little too fast, went off the pavement into like a bunch of brush. And I think I didn't like fall off my bike, but I might've caught a tree branch going through my rear wheel and it ripped out like five spokes all in the same spot of the the tire or the wheel. So we weren't sure if I hit a, a tree root too hard that was un, under a bunch of leaves or if it was just from that tree branch or something. But in any case, really kind of demolished the back tire of my bike. Um, thankfully survived. I was practicing bike safety. I was wearing a helmet, but I actually didn't even fall off the bike. It just kept going. Uh, but I had to take it into the shop and this bike has some sentimental value for me only because like I brought it to California with me from Chicago. And then like my second week here, it got stolen, but I, that. I got that bike back. And so I'm like, this, this bike has been set apart for a purpose in, in some ways. And so <laughs> I was like, oh, I, I got to get it fixed. And so the, the bike shop guy was like, it's probably, you know, you need a new rear wheel. So he was, was going to try to fix it, but wasn't looking too hopeful was estimating, you know, pretty expensive for a new wheel, like, or whatever. And then uh, I went to pick up the bike uh, five days later on Friday and I walked in and he's like, Hey, good news. I actually was able to fix your old wheel and get new spokes on. And then he had to kind of readjust everything. But once the, once all the spokes were back on or the new ones were on, he was able to true the wheel up. And, uh, and then the fix was like a lot cheaper, probably like a third of what it would have cost me to get a new wheel so very thankful for that and was able to ride again this past monday sweet yeah very cool times what about about you what have you been up to uh also uh obviously busy season being the fall coming out of the summer and um you know with school stuff with the kids and ministry stuff uh one of the things actually we did a weekend ago uh i've talked about our our pastor elder council, right? Our mm-hmm. PEC. And that kind of functionally serves as kind of the senior pastor for our church. But we, we've just been meeting now as a council for about a year and a half. And we had our first PEC retreat this past weekend. And 
it was great. I mean, we, we got a lot of time to just hang out and connect and fellowship. Uh, we went fishing. Um, and then we did a little bit of time just talking ministry and uh, just talking about some vision stuff. So it was a really sweet time. Um, and so I, I really appreciate that. Uh, but also today we had a uh, our epic gathering. Epic is our English pastors in Chinese mm. churches here in Chicago. And so uh, there were about eight of us. And one of the guys, um, you know, shout out to our epic gathering. One of the guys actually makes like hand handmade noodles. Huh. Um, and so he did that for us and it was really cool. We just hung out, you know, talked a little bit about some leadership structures and uh, the differences in, in different Chinese heritage churches spread out here across Chicago and what those kind of look like. So it was, it was a lot of fun. I uh, drove out to Naperville, which is a good hour from where I am, Oh wow! but um, it was fun. So um, wait, I'm going to have to mention that because uh, two weeks from now or about a week and a half from now, um, a bunch of uh, pastors from Chinese churches that connected when we we're at the CHC um, collective last May are gathering here in South Bay. So I'm going to have to uh, figure out who's going to make hand pulled noodles for us. Yeah, for this gathering. So yeah, <laughs> but very cool. Very exciting. Glad you yeah. were able to do that. I do have a question about your uh, the pastor um, elder retreat that you were on. Mm -hmm. um, did did anyone catch anything significant? Uh, uh, no, while fishing. No, but I have a I have a longer story that I'll share with you another time. Okay. But the guy next, basically the guy next to us, caught like a twenty five pound king oh. salmon, which was we're like here in Chicago, uh, like or well, we drove up to Racine, Wisconsin, and yeah. in about a week or so from now, it'll be like spawning season, yeah. and so that's when the salmon, the salmon are really going to be there. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are already a ton of ton of guys out there, uh, so we did not catch anything, but the guy right next to us did. Mm. So that was really fun to see. Okay, cool. Yeah, you'll have to tell me the longer, the longer story later. I'll look yes, forward to it. We, we, sure. we do have some pretty funny fishing stories from our past. So yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I am super excited for tonight's episode of the podcast and our mm -hmm. guest. Um, for listeners who have been following this podcast for a while, you may or may not know that we have only one standing guest that comes on with us every year. Um, and this is a, a pretty new thing that we discovered last year. And so it's, this is only our second time doing this, but our guest tonight, we like, we have affectionately nicknamed this episode, the birthday, the birthday episode. And it's because all three of us have the same birthday. Um, and so, uh, we want to welcome Enoch Liao to our podcast. Enoch is the lead English pastor at Boston Chinese Evangelical Church. Um, so thanks for hanging out with us, Enoch. We're glad that you're on an early birthday. Happy birthday to you. Um, and yeah, looking forward to kick off birthday week with both of you on this podcast. Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Hey, last time we saw you in Houston, um, uh, that was in uh, almost how many months was that now? Several months Four. Uh, in May. Uh, that was for the, the Chinese Heritage Church Collective. Right. Uh, what were some of your key takeaways since we haven't really talked since then? Um, what were some of your key takeaways from the gathering? What are some next steps? Yeah, the Ministers Collective, it's hard to imagine it's already been 
like I think John said, four, four plus months that went mm-hmm. by fat. The summer is basically over. And I actually enjoyed the episode that you guys had with Jason Tarn. Uh, I thought he did a, you guys did a great job asking questions and he was very helpful, made it sound better than it probably was. So, uh, yeah. That's and great. the food, of course, that was really good. So that's, I encourage people like to check that out if they want to kind of get a sense of what it was. Wow. Um, it's been some months and, and I guess to kind of respond to your question, it has to do with how I view movements. Like it's kind of presumptuous to hope to start a movement rather to see if the Lord's going to do something in it. Um, if I had to lean, I'd rather lean towards heat rather than light, uh, rather than a bright flash, but something that might be a slow, steady burn that might provide heat for like, if you're a fire, provide heat for a longer time rather than a big pile of bright burning wood that goes out really fast. Mm-hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with a big thing, but, um, since it's been four and a half months there, uh, I think life has continued. And what you, what John just said is something that is super encouraging to me. Uh, it, well, I think that event was really about stewarding the connections we have with people who are similarly serving in other Chinese heritage churches. Uh, for me, that goes back to the very beginning of our very first pastor's colloquium for the, what would become the Chinese heritage church collaborative, because, uh, like I feel really blessed to be able to get to know pastors over the years, often in the form of going to visit their churches and speaking. In fact, I, I was just in Naperville um, last month speaking for a church, uh, Barry's church. So I don't know if that's why people were in Naperville, but uh, and up there. So it was really sweet to see his English congregation. To, to I, I don't think I'd met his wife before and to see his girls. That is so precious. And I realized that while I enjoy getting to know people and talking ministry and sharing and exchanging ideas and encouraging each other, a lot of folks don't get that opportunity Mm -hmm. because their ministry is so busy or whatever the case may be, they don't get to travel. So to have an event that on the website tries to look robust enough so that the church councils would pay for their pastors and staff to go, but really to make those connections. So when John says you guys are meeting up from some of the folks that you met from that, that to me Mm -hmm. is, that's the purpose. And yeah. if nothing else ever happens again, praise the Lord for the chance to make those connections because it's really about fostering the kingdom work. So to me, that is what it's about. And um, we're praying about that. But as for next steps, you know, we were very encouraged that a lot of people kept saying, what's the next? When's the next one? I literally had three kinds of conversations about the collective at the event. People said, Enoch, I think we could do this every year. <laughs> When's the next one? Definitely next year. Some brother literally said, every two or three years, because <laughs> what are we going to do if we go every year? And I think a part of it has to do with the personality and temperament. Part of it has to do with your relative busyness. I think mm-hmm. the folks that were in cities tended to say, you know, we don't need to do this every year, but between the pace of life that's faster in cities and the other probably churches in proximity, I think I can get that. I, I definitely could see that coming from Boston, but I talked to a lot of people that said, this is the only thing I have. And so for those people, maybe something every year would be helpful, which leads to our next event. So I think this is the first time I'm publicly saying stuff about this um, because we've been praying about that. And a lot of it is a sustainability, right? It's about just being a part of it and that connecting. So uh, I I don't know if I actually got permission from the other members, uh, Justin Young, Stephen Sue, Jason Tarn to say it's, but I think it's okay. Basically, we've also been praying what's next. And this is, so no promises, no guarantees, and I think I'm okay to share these things, but basically here's what we're thinking about the next thing. Um, so PACT, Partnership of Asian American Churches of Texas, um, which is a thing that Jason Tarn is a part of, 
and I've had the chance to go, they hold something called Render, which is yeah. a really interesting thing. You, I think, I can't remember if I've heard you guys talk about it, but for your listeners, it's Chinese heritage churches or Asian churches, it's getting people who are interested in pursuing full-time ministry, that's church or parachurch, they come to this conference, to this retreat, where they're actually getting a guest speaker and they're in a small group led by like a practicing minister. Mm -hmm. uh, and you, you can't just register, you have to be vetted and invited in from a pastor or some ministry. So the time I had the chance to go there, we had a bunch of folks doing crew or intervarsity, a lot of people in seminary or seminary thinking, just a really rich time. So I know they're trying to do render again for their Texas cycle. And I think Jason and them are trying to figure out, you know, for places that don't have something like that, would PACT be open to having non-Texans come? And so I think they're figuring that out. Uh, I think they're very open to it. I just want to be mindful of the dynamics. If something like that happened, maybe it'd be a version where I go and I lead a small group for the non-Texas mm -hmm. people or some, something like that. So just to be really clear, we don't want to um, cannibalize or sort of derail the original purpose. Yeah. But in that same spirit, Stephen Sue, and again, I, I can't promise anything and I don't know, I haven't talked to him about this in a month or so, but he had a hard to do so some render-like event for San Diego, if not Southern California, but we are saying, you know, if you do that and you're open, I could see Northern California or just mm -hmm. anywhere regionally to come to that. And it's obviously a lot harder to bring a lay person that's thinking about pastoral ministry or full-time ministry and a pastor to all show up in San Diego area. But he's working on that. And for each of those things, so PACT is definitely not a Chinese Heritage Church collaborative event. And I think in my personal conversation with Stephen, I was like, you know, if you want to call this a collaborative event or just not, that's fine. It doesn't really matter to us or me. It's whatever would be helpful. But if it is a collaborative event, then let me and others know how we can help and partner or pray and things like that. But those things are going to happen anyway. The thing that uniquely wouldn't happen is, should we do another event? And so the last one on the team that doesn't have a thing like that is myself or Justin. I would have loved to do an East Coast type of event, but I realized as I looked up and down the coast, in fact, one of our speakers was uh, Brother Rocky. He would have been one of the guys that would have done something with on the East Coast, but now he's not in Chinese Heritage Church and a little bit more inland. So I realized on the East Coast side, a lot of the concentration is Massachusetts and New York. I am going to go visit some of the Atlanta churches this this later this year. So I'm looking forward to bringing them more into that, see what partnerships that form. But Midwest, Justin and I have a heart to do something for the Midwest pastors. And by Midwest, I don't know what the technical term, but I think everyone in the middle of the country so, um, and I know Chicago is usually such a big thing that usually in the Midwest, the MCCA, the Midwest Chinese Christian Association thing, like I think Chicago is its own thing, you know, because there's so many people there. But so Justin and I have been talking about what that might look like. Um, mm. If it was me, one of the things I thought would be a retreat, which is different than a colloquium or a collective where you come and gather. It'd be a place for refreshment. But I think for, if Justin's gonna be sort of the on the ground leading guy, you can pray for him because uh, I think he's thinking about, I said, what, what would serve your region well? And that could be a part of the country where a lot of those guys have nothing else if there's nothing put on by like a collaborative or something like this for Chinese charity church pastor. Mm -hmm. so, so that's kind of on the works. You can pray for it. Uh, happily, I'm not leading any of those. I'm happy to support any and all of them. Um, so I think we decided probably no collective next year, at least, but perhaps in a year after we'll see how these other events go. So, yeah. you know, people have ideas, they can let us know, uh, reach out to us directly, um, and just pray, but we're just trying to serve the church. And I don't even know that we need to do another thing in the future, but, um, but I will say I have the privilege to go to the Shaco conference. It's like 
it's like the Midwest Chinese Christian Association, but for the Southeast. So I think it's like Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, Louisiana, that kind of stuff. So I've been invited by the Atlanta Chinese Christian churches, those three, ACCC, ACC North, ACCC Northwest. And so I think they're a big part of it. So I'm excited because that's a part of the country that I hadn't had the chance to actually see and preach at before for those ministries. So, so maybe we'll do something down there in the South, but that's kind of long winded answer to say, I have no idea what's coming next, <laughs> but I'm excited when people talk about connecting, but yeah, you can pray for us. Uh, like you guys, the podcast is not your day job. Um, we're happily doing a labor of love on top of other things. And so I'm grateful for all those other pastors in our churches that kind of understand that this is in line with our church ministry, but strictly speaking, not inside our church. Yeah. Um, so, so that's kind of the thing, trying to figure out what it might be. So you can pray for Justin, pray for Steven, pray for Jason, as they potentially all lead <laughs> things that could be in that space. And I just hang out on my sabbatical <laughs> yeah. and go to all of them maybe, but yeah. You know, I, I love just a, like, there's two things. I think one is that idea that this is not just a, like an individual church effort, uh, but it's really our, our desire to see um, the kingdom at work together, you know, and like, whether it's through connection relationship, this is partnership too. And, and, you know, I, I really love the idea also that it's, it doesn't, didn't have to be right away, like a national thing. Um, but these are more regional. And I think that that allows for more organic relationship to continue to develop and to build towards something. Cause I think, like you said, the desire is not for something like a flash in the pan, um, but something that produces like a long-term, long-term transformation and change and fruit in the places that we serve. And so sometimes that's a slower approach and then just being like, okay, this is the door we need to jump through this year that the Lord is opening. And so that's super exciting. I don't know how those guys feel about you sharing about them on this podcast. Um, but now that they're out there, you know, I think, like you said, the important thing is not to be like, oh, if it doesn't work out, someone's going to be mad because there was no gathering yep. in this part no of the No promises. Yeah. No but, promises. But I, I do think I just wanted to really encourage our listeners that this is something to pray for, right? And we don't just do this like expecting one person to plan something, but like, let's really ask the Lord to to open the doors for, for these, these things to happen. And, and I would love to see that, you know, side of our partnership grow too. Even if we're not actively doing like a prayer gathering or like a zoom prayer meeting, but just like if people are praying together for, for the same thing, and then we get to see the fruit of that happen in front of us, that that's something I think that would be exciting and, and would be an encouragement, a good testimony too, for when we are able to gather um, the next time. And I do hope there is something a national gathering at some point, because it's always a good reason to see everyone. Um, but yeah, so, you know, you just mentioned just now that you're on sabbatical. And, and so we wanted to just kind of pick your brain a little bit about sabbatical and, and how that's going. Um, but how's ministry been, especially as you've led up to sabbatical? Like, when did when did that start? When did this season start for you? And what's it? How's it been so far? Okay, so yeah, thanks. So leading up so kind of a question of like before we get to sabbatical meet content like leading up to it um our church's policy and i realize that a lot of listeners there's no sabbatical in a lot of industries right and a lot of churches don't even have sabbaticals and so 
recognizing it's a grace thing and, and not to, you know, I don't take that for granted. But our church has had it on the books for a long time. And as an ordained pastor serving, I think, so actually before the most useful thing I can say is if you are part of a Chinese heritage church and really want to have someone articulate the value of sabbaticals for the good of staff longevity, then you should reach out to Stephen Chin if you can our retired our senior pastor emeritus because he's a champion of that. And um, he would say that part of that, uh, okay, he would say that, he would at least say that the sabbatical seems to contribute to staff longevity. I suspect that it's the mindset and the attitude of the church that would foster and continue to have sabbaticals. That's probably the more, like, that's really the underlying thing. It's not just slap a sabbatical onto everything else your church is doing and magically staff will stay longer. But I think it's the mindset of someone that does that. So our church policy is ordained pastors accrue rates of sabbatical a little differently than non-ordained because presumably they have more of the elder burden responsibilities. But every six years, you can take a six months full-time sabbatical or a 12 months uh, half pay. So six months full pay, 12 months half pay. And in our system, you have to do one of three things when you propose your sabbatical, uh, missions work, uh, studying or taking courses or publishing or writing. Um, and honestly, the general ethos is we don't want to see you working too hard. Like you're not supposed to come back more tired from a sabbatical. And a lot of people, you know, let's be honest, they come to sabbatical and they, they crash. I don't, I don't say that to throw a stone. It's just you know, people collapse into retirement. Right? They, teachers collapse into their summer breaks sometimes, right? You know, and, mm -hmm. and sometimes people collapse over the finish line into their sabbaticals. And, um, but, but I was grateful that the Lord, I, I felt like I was able to hit sabbatical running. Mm -hmm. so, um, so, so leading up to it then, to me, it's all developmental. In other words, the coverage that is required when one of your staff steps away, if you've got six years by the grace of God to work towards that, then, this is my take. If one day I'm gone, you can ask my staff when I'm not in the room, then you can ask them what they think. But in my mind, it's all developmental. Meaning, for example, uh, some of our staff were going to take leadership on ministries that I was doing with them, but they'd been working towards that for several years. So it was very natural. Someone's leading the missions effort now. Someone's leading their adult small group system. Someone's leading these other pieces. I went to a baptism on Sunday for our church, and I think it might have been that pastor's, maybe their first or second time he had to borrow my robe because it doesn't have a baptism robe. like you know it's great you know i was like oh i feel like i'm in the water because my robe's there <laughs> um so it's just really sweet to see a whole bunch of people do that now one of our pastors calvin chu uh, he also felt the lord leading him to step away from our ministry so he resigned stepped down and we can pray for him as the lord light guides him and his wife and family so when that news was shared with us that affected my sabbatical thinking because of coverage um, it was already, a, I think it was a doable, but stretch for our staff and team and volunteers for me to step away. Um, but for have two pastors to basically almost at the same day, kind of wrap up and stop being weekly operationally doing stuff. That's a big deal. So for that, even though my sabbatical was approved, I, I actually was not clear that I was going to take it because like, I don't want to come back and then everyone's like burning out or quitting or something like that. Right. So, so graciously the, the elder board and the church and we're able to seek the Lord to provide cover. So we actually hired two interim positions. So this is complicated, but it might be useful for your listeners. It seems like when someone leaves and the position is vacated, what I observed over the years is they hire an interim for that position. Hmm. For me, the times I've seen this in my ministry context, I think there's nothing wrong with that way, but 
what I felt was the ministry that has a vacated leader, they need more stability. So what we've done this when our Newton English pastor moved away or stepped down and I became the campus English pastor there. We're doing it now when Pastor Calvin steps down is we take another pastoral staff person that makes the most sense and they, they, they buy into it. It's not like we force them, you know, like they come over and become the interim role of that vacated position. But it, so, so it's a stable pastoral role. We're there, we're committed to this ministry that's actually experiencing the greatest amount of change. But because they're also still here, they can still be engaged and help lead the ministry that they just stepped away from. Now, sometimes they can do that both, but because they're both gone, we actually were able to hire someone. So Pastor Steve Liu, he's normally our director of Project Destiny Ministries. It's our youth yep. and community outreach. He is now the interim youth pastor, student ministries pastor. And we hired someone to become the interim PD director under Pastor Steve. So PD has Pastor Steve because he's still around, but they also have this other person that actually knows the ministry pretty well. So they actually have full-time person and Steve's leadership. So Steve didn't have Steve above him. So uh, this guy, Lewis, has Steve and Steve is now leading youth ministry. And it's also critical because that person will be the one driving the new search process and become the ultimate supervisor. Hmm. So if, you know, Steve being now, this is the theory. So you ask him afterwards, if you want to talk about pastoral transition, where when I'll talk about when I was the Newton English pastor, uh, they actually, Tom, uh, Tom Lee and Steve Chen, when I was doing this, they said, no, you shouldn't be the Newton English interim pastor. You've got too much. Pastor Steve Chen said, I'll do it. My, my at the time senior pastor, I said, yeah, but you're going to retire. Like your retirement goal is when we replace Tom uh, with a uh, permanent English pastor, you want to retire. He's like, yeah. I said, okay, so, so who's going to supervise that new person? And then we pause and go, oh, well, actually it'd be tough if the guy that was the interim and helped craft the job description retires the second you know like so so yeah. the way we do it now and this is almost two for two now the person that comes in interim if we can support that person to be engaged in that interim ministry then they can help drive the the rehiring process they can know the lay leaders they can get a sense of it and they can be a more useful hopefully more helpful supervisor to the eventual new pastor or minister i don't know if that makes sense but that's the lord provided uh a brother Lewis to do the full-time PD and the Lord provided a brother Vernon. Um, you guys might've met him at the collective. He grew up in our church, was in New York city for about six years. And then the Lord called him to wrap up that ministry there. Now he's back in Boston. And, mm -hmm. and so basically he's part-time doing some of my stuff. Um, and of course there's still the rest of my job that's spread out on top of that. So that's, that's a lot to say. My wife said to me about, a, like I started September one as my sabbatical, but it was like, August 20 something. And she's like, so you still don't know if you're taking your sabbatical. I mean, I said, technically it's taken. No one's telling me don't do it, but I, yeah. I want to make sure that things are in place. Now, that being said, I have to be careful what I say here next is uh, if I didn't take it, I probably, if I, if, if it wouldn't, if I wouldn't have started at September one, I probably would not have taken it. Hmm. And this happened last time because that's to do with, we're in a senior pastor succession. There's a lot of other transition. Um, the church is not forcing me or asking me, but basically if I waited six months, I, I just don't think I'm going to start a sabbatical when we have no senior pastor. I don't think I'm going to start a sabbatical when we're in succession. I, I think, yeah, so that's, that's a, that's a whole nother episode if you want, but basically it was a lot of praying and working with lay people and our staff so that we could feel not only covering, you can see my air quotes, covering these positions, but that each of these, uh, 
additional responsibilities and opportunities on people across the board were also within line of things that they were feeling they wanted to grow into anyway. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. So ideally yeah. it's developmental and coverage, but you know, that could just be me. They're all saying yes, pastor here. <laughs> cause, uh, cause you know, I'm in charge or something and I, I know the power dynamics at play, but that's, that's the idea leading up to it. Okay. So um, a lot of it was making sure coverage was in place and trying to be responsible about that. So, yeah, yeah, that does make sense. I think that that's a really thoughtful way to go about it as far as just, you know, you're, you're doing some development, you're getting some coverage. Um, just a moment ago, you were saying that for, for those who are taking sabbatical, uh, your policy, they're either doing missions study or publishing something. What is, what's your push approach to this particular <laughs> sabbatical? What are you doing for your sabbatical? Yes. Yes. So, um, so just so you know, like if it's missions, like they don't want you to do too much. So you could literally be on a six month sabbatical and do like two weeks missions trip somewhere in the middle and they'd be okay. Like, does that make sense? They, yeah. That's kind of okay. Uh, for my part, um, I am taking, I started a new academic program. So I'm taking classes. I'm taking more than a full load because the academic institution let me take more because I said I'm on sabbatical. I am hoping to uh, write another manuscript of a book. My worship leading book came out during my last sabbatical, or I did much bulk of the work during my last sabbatical. So I hope to write another book. Um, but, and then I owe the Sola Network a chapter for for a forthcoming book that the Sola Network, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, that I'm working on in advance of the Sola Asian American Leadership Conference um, in for April, 2024. Maybe I'm not supposed to say that. Okay, listeners, if you heard me say that, please don't tell the Sola Network <laughs> that I said that. I'm kind of joking, but kind of, yeah, I think it's okay. Anyway, um, so those are my three things. That's the first half of the sabbatical. Um, Originally, I thought I would be looking at applying to a program, uh, but the Lord opened doors and I actually find myself in one. So I'm taking more than a full load academically right now. So that's been rich. It's a program that you do modularly, like the semester is condensed into one week modules for each course. So what, last week I did a whole eight hours a day course and had to do all the reading I didn't know until the day, weeks before. You have to do all the reading before the class. <laughs> that was Whoa. an intense week. And then my next class is next week, but I have to travel for the one or two in-person classes for that. That's next week. I'll be on the West Coast. And then I've got another class in October. Um, so that's a big piece. But the other, so that's the study and writing thing. That already sounds like a lot, but uh, the other piece is the relationships, the renewal. Um, I had looked into maybe applying for a grant and other things. And you might want to have your listeners know Asian pastors do very well for the Lilly Clergy Renewal Fund. It's like, a, uh, I think Jalen knows that's the same group that per, per Thriving Immigrant Congregations Initiative, right? That kind of right. thing. So I don't know an Asian pastor yet that hasn't applied and not gotten it. So, I mean, so just, you know, but it's the very specific limitations, how many times you can apply from the same church. And if you get it from that church, no one else from that church can get it for a certain time period. So, but anyway, I didn't take, I didn't apply. So it worked out for our church, but, um, Basically, uh, I was hoping to visit other churches and pastors and the original idea would maybe if the Lord gave me a grant, that'd be fine. But, uh, and I'll be a little more honest here, Cartley, because I don't think a lot of people from my church listen to this podcast. I would probably not say it this way, but this for the first time in my life, I'm thinking, okay, so I'm half pay for the whole year. 
And so if you just heard me correctly, I started an academic program. I actually had to fill out the FAFSA, if you know what that is. I was like, oh my goodness, baby. I told my wife, we might have to redo our two older kids' FAFSAs because we have a third full-time <laughs> student. So, so all that's to say, God's been so faithful in providing, but I had told select people, probably outside my church, that in addition to all the sabbatical stuff and spiritual goals that you know we would just trust the Lord for provision. Hmm. And so that's come in the form of being able to share God's word. So I, I have the opportunity to be more available to preach at other churches and ministries, because obviously during the year, my commitment is clearly to the local church. And so my church is a policy that allows us, encourages us to actually do some wider kingdom partnership stuff. But obviously the lion's share should be your local church, depending on your job description, right? So so I'm getting the privilege to speak in different churches. I mentioned the Shaco conference. I've I didn't even hear I didn't know that conference before. I've heard of different regional things. So I'm just really giddy to be able to go and uh, visit other Chinese heritage churches. Most of them are Chinese heritage churches. Some of them are New England things. So so that's those are the kinds of things I'm getting to do. So studying for the program I'm in, uh, finish writing hopefully in the first six months and then throughout the year have the opportunity to visit and be at all my son's marching band competitions as much as possible, among other things, be more present. Actually, I, I don't, and one good thing about being at my church for over two decades is I have worked out to have a lot more time with family at dinner and evenings now. So that that's something mm -hmm. that, it wasn't that way in the beginning for a lot of reasons, but um, I, aside from elder and deacon meetings, I pretty much can, have very limited evening commitments unless something comes up. But so, so that's kind of the goal, uh, visiting churches in the form of ministering or preaching if they would have me, and then some of those other writing and reading and study projects. So yeah, it doesn't sound relaxing, but it, it, it should be fun. And it, it is probably still a lesser pace than my normal pace, hmm. which sounds, I don't know how that sounds to people. But <laughs> Sounds a little, little bit crazy, but knowing you, Enoch, it does sound like it is a, a little bit of a slowdown for you. Um, is this, this is your, uh, your second sabbatical or your third one? This is my second. I, it should be my third. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, that's another story. I, if basically I, I forego for went, uh, my second sabbatical, okay. um, at that time. Gotcha. So yeah, because of the senior pastor mm -hmm. transition mm -hmm. and a bunch of other things and, and God's been good, you know, sabbaticals are not entitlements. Um, yeah. Uh, I had to give that to the Lord and work through it, you know, like most people um, might imagine, because it's not a small thing, but mm -hmm. God's been good. And I think um, it's sweet to be able to take one any, you know, no matter how short or long it is. So, yes, yeah, so this is my yeah. second one. Um, so, you know, you mentioned that your church has some expectation or structure. It's probably not expectation, but structure, right, to help you use that time well and be intentional with it and and i love how they're purposely trying to guard that time too so it's like we want you to do these things but we don't want you to come back more tired than when you you left and so i think that's just a really healthy approach i imagine though there's lots of people who serve in churches who they're they don't really have they may not have sabbatical policies um, or they have them but they've never been on one because they're newer to their church lots of different things, you know, it, how would you really encourage people in ministry um, as they are approaching sabbaticals or even the possibility of maybe um, sharing a vision for sabbatical rest um, with their church? Like, how would you encourage them to really 
um, plan those out or structure them in a way that helps both the church, but also for them to receive the full benefit of that of that time. Like I think regardless of the length or compensation side of things, but just more like from a yeah, like what's this? What's your vision, or how would you encourage people to really develop a vision mm. for sabbatical? Wow, that's a great question, and honestly, worthy of the many books that you can buy and read on these sorts of things. So I'll just kind of do a quick smattering as if I'm talking to an individual. I probably would ask, what's the current practice and what's the current culture? So for example, I know a church in California that they had sabbatical on the books from the very beginning in their church polity. And the first time someone took it, it was a six month sabbatical. And then when that person came back, they just basically cut the sabbatical in half. So, so it's kind of a reflection maybe on that person or that person. It, it didn't taste good, you know, for a lot of the people there um, because they had never seen it, you know. So so I think just like, you know, church governance, what's on paper is not necessarily reflective of the culture and the mindset there. So I think a lot of it is it's worth being trying to be discerning and dis wise and strategic about how to proceed with that. If people think the pastor isn't working that hard or working smart, it's going to be tough to make a case. If people feel like they're working harder than the pastor, it's going to be tough to make that case. Um, and so I think if someone told me, hey, I'd like to, how do I get a sabbatical going at my church? I'd have to probably ask, well, who's the best person? <laughs> the best person to maybe start with is the one that universally, if there is such a person, everyone goes, oh yeah, he or she works really hard, right? So start there. And I think for many things in life, it's always cleaner, perhaps more Christ-like to advocate for benefits for the sake of others. Mm. And that's actually totally Chinesey. Like if you want to make change in the church, in a Chinese heritage church, do not advocate in a season or cycle where you benefit. Uh, it's probably more appropriate, culturally perceptive and respectable and uh, sensitive. And honestly, probably a little bit more other centered if you advocate not on your cycle. Um, so so that those are some smattering of the things um, of like how to approach it. I think even if one doesn't get a quote unquote sabbatical, there are other ways to do it. Uh, there's like even just taking a few days of vacation, but letting people in your inner circle know, I'm kind of treating it like a sabbatical. Because if you say I'm going to take vacation and use sabbatical in a Chinese heritage church, you might bring shame on the church. They're like, oh, they're using their own vacation time. And he's making us as a church look bad because he can't even get a real sabbatical. So there's a lot of uh, optics or perceptions that one should be mindful of. But I think that being the case, most ministry leaders have the chance to either establish or cultivate culture in their own cycles. So it comes down to this. If you lead a ministry team, do people have sabbatical rhythms in their own ministries, whether it's the weekly rhythm or mm -hmm. if you, if you, even if you supervise one person, like can you help champion that person? Because as a supervisor or leader, you might be able to provide a little bit of a bubble or structure, even if the organization and this is true for business or marketplace, even if the culture of the organization or industry is like unsustainable, if you have a little bit of leverage and influence, you could not shield, but you could try to create a more healthier environment within your little sphere of influence. And I think like so many things in leadership, that's probably where you would start. And you probably can't create that bubble unless you've earned and garnered some influence yourself and kind of worked out sabbatical rhythms yourself. So, so that that's, I apologize if that's really abstract or not quite getting there, but I think after that, it branches out very considerably. I know I've spoken at churches where literally the elders want to talk to me and here's what they say. How do we convince pastor so-and-so 
to take a sabbatical. Like I've had that. I've also spoken at churches and then the pastor comes to me and says, how do I convince you? We were just talking to our elder. You seem to be getting along. Well, could you tell the elder I need a sabbatical? Like so literally, so it's, it's, there's all sorts of situations. And I think tactically it looks different at that point, but a sabbatical, whether the six months end is not the same thing as the weekly Sabbath principle of rest. So my sabbatical is honestly the same work rhythm. Like I still Sabbath on Monday. I take appointments on certain days. I have other days set aside for reading or studying or writing like my sermons instead of sermon prep for church on Sunday, it's my program or other things. So it's basically, I'm still quote unquote, just as productive in terms of time. I'm just, instead of doing certain church meetings and ministries, I'm doing other projects that would not be appropriate or feasible for me to do while I'm on staff actively working at church. And so that being said, for there's some people I would say, if I listen to the situation, I would say your sabbatical six months, your goal should just be to clean your house a little, like, like physically get to those errands that you have, you know, mow your lawn. Like, I think it needs to be realistic because some people it's like certain teachers, like that summer break, you know, what drives a lot of teachers nuts. And I just know some teachers, they really get offended. Like, oh, it must be nice to only work nine months a year. I'm like, some teachers are so offended at that, um, you know, but anyway, I'm not going to die, but, but here's the rhythm I observe that first month off after school, they're just exhausted and catching up, you know? So a lot of our teachers have to, it's hard, certain school districts and environments, they can't, you need that summer to almost recover, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I'm not throwing stones at that rhythm or pace i'm just that just seems to be reality so that first month is just recovery barely catching my sleep that last month is just getting ready for the next school year so really you only got like kind of a month in between to do something and if you got family or vacation you know like it goes by so quick so so i think to be realistic for some people if they get six months honestly the first two three months should just be uh working through and catching up on things sleep mail cleaning and then I would say, I'm going to use this word carefully. There is a detox cycle, not that ministry is toxic necessarily, but what I mean is to be so far removed from ministry responsibilities that your head is clear to hear the Holy spirit in other ways, because you kind of have to like, we all know this, it's your weekend or day off, but you still are thinking about work stuff mm -hmm. there. And maybe it takes like on vacation. If you have a week vacation, you're really have a lot waiting for you back at the office or work. It's kind of there, but maybe on the middle of vacation, you're finally there, maybe with your family or whatever, and you finally forget. But I think that phenomenon happens in sabbaticals too. So like if it's three months or six months, so, so I think those are some smatterings. There's some thoughts about how to tactically advocate for it. Some thoughts about how to appropriately, you know, structure it. And some thoughts about like, realistically, is this a purely recovery sabbatical? Cause it's okay. Do not try to start. There was a, person from the UK staying at our house for a month. Uh, she's also at a Chinese heritage church and she's on a 12 month sabbatical too. So we were at a small group dinner for my small group, Karen and I, and they, my small group member asked me, so what are you doing in your sabbatical? You knock and I told them these things. They looked at this other pastor. They like, what are you? She, she's like, I'm not doing anything. I'm just eating. <laughs> so it's like, it, it's totally fine. Like it's just, yeah, it's, it's. And if I was in a different season, I would probably, hmm. it'd be audacious and foolhardy to try to put all these goals in. Um, but for me, I felt like I was able to hit sabbatical running. I don't feel like I'm coming to sabbatical with a lot of emotional baggage I need to work through or with a lot of exhaustion um, or without the support of family and ministry friends or partners or networks and stuff. Um, mm. So I feel if you have the sustainability, 
pace, then your sabbatical, it's like rhythm, rhythm weekly. If, if your pace is sustainable for those six days, that seventh day is not just restorative or recuperating, it's advancing other like areas of hobbies or growth or things, yeah. you know, yeah. as opposed yeah. to, I just need to pray because I haven't prayed for the last six days. <laughs> and the, and I, I've had weeks like that, right? I haven't, I feel like I've been at church every day, but I haven't prayed. I just need to pray and repent and stuff like that. So, so I feel like I've been, this is a sabbatical where I can advance certain things. Yeah. Um, but that's, that should not be a model <laughs> for everybody all the time. Well, and especially in this season, like you like you're saying, being able to step into sabbatical running and there's been a lot of really cool and good things that the Lord's been doing, whether it's with, you know, the, the CHC, um, the collective or with, um, you know, Sola and, and other things. So this would be like one of those times where you may not want to just disappear, I guess, for, for 12 months, which is sometimes I feel like some folks do that. They, you know, they, they just do their own thing and you don't hear from them or like, you're not sure. Can we, can I reach out to this friend? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to bother them while yeah. on sabbatical. And so I, I really admire that. I think just that the way that you're stepping into this. No, that's a great point. In fact, that friend that was on sabbatical here, she heard me because the, the sabbatical was in my mind in question. I couldn't really be public about my goals because it would seem presumptuous if I would state these goals and then not go, people would either mm. feel bad anyway. So, so like she was there when I said, Oh, I'm planning to, I'm looking forward to just sitting in the congregation with you all. And she asked me afterwards, so you're going to go to your church. <laughs> so I get it. You know, if you need to get away or recuperate, or if your sabbatical length is only like, if it's, and I don't say only, if it's like two months, there's really not a lot of time. Cause if you want to do any travel or just visit other churches or something, you're probably not going to be there. But for me, I don't need to, I, I don't feel, or I'm not aware <laughs> that I need to get away from my church. It's still my church, even though pastors have a different relationship, right? If someone gets laid off from their job, they can lean into their church family. If a pastor gets laid off, it's a little awkward to lean into your church family, yeah. but it doesn't mean if you have a spouse or kids, it's still their church. You know, my wife is still in her ministries. My son is still in the youth group things like that. So, so to actually do that, and that goes to back to the sustainability, but it all comes down to like, I don't judge you if you never show up at your church for six months during your sabbatical. I, I you know, I, if you want to unload to me, like you're thinking behind it, I'd be happy to give you my response and observations, but I, I don't, yeah, I think every sabbatical needs to be fitted to the goals and mm -hmm. needs of the situation. And uh, it seems to me, unless you're trying to visit other churches because you want to just see how they're run or something like that. Um, I would love to be with my church family unencumbered with the burdens, although they are joyful, the burdens of pastoral responsibility. That's mm -hmm. a really neat thing. Mm -hmm. And, and my pastor hat is still there. I have had many comments already like, Oh, it's nice to see you and Karen just sitting there. You're still pastoring. You're still modeling. You're still a leader or the leader there. And I get that but I'm not doing it to be a leader. Um, mm -hmm. I'm doing it recognizing that they're seeing a kind of modeling that, again, not the only way, but it's, I, I would go to my church if I wasn't on staff here. That's the key thing. Uh, I don't know if I would be here if I wasn't called to be on staff here, but I could see myself going to my church and you know, we would enjoy the fellowship and the ministries of the church as it is. So, but mm -hmm. I even, this is funny, John's a worship leader. At one point as I was getting ready, I was sitting there on a Sunday thinking, 
it'd be fun to play on the worship team again because I hadn't done that in a long time. So I told Karen, I was actually, there was a brother that had some, one of the teams was going through personnel change. And, and I knew this because I'm helping oversee that team. And I was like, what if I tell so-and-so I can play djembe or guitar for their team? And my wife wisely said, you know, I know this is church and you're still a regular member, but I, I just don't think they should see you on stage. I said, oh, that's right, baby. That's, she's wise. So, so yeah. And plus really the posture should be very, very judicious, not stingy, but very, very guarded about what I let into my schedule. Cause otherwise my personality, I'll just fill it up with yeah. other stuff. And, and none of those things are bad. It's just, and the power of having clear sabbatical goals guards my time, like doing this academic program. If I want to do that well and be a good steward of that and to gain a lot from it, I, I really need to make sure I dedicate enough time mm -hmm, to that. Mm -hmm. So for example, oh. I think that's really helpful. I, I you know, I, I've um, just been reflecting as you were talking, just reflecting back on my, you know, the last sabbatical that I had uh, two years ago now and kind of thinking through, okay, preparing for, as you're talking about like coverage and development, and then now like actually sabbaticals can shift and change depending on the season that you're in, in life and in ministry. Um, I think that's so helpful to think about. And I think it's, uh, yeah, really helpful for others to think about as, as they think about potentially taking a sabbatical. What are, I, let's, let's wrap with this question. Um, we typically ask what's one piece of advice that you would kind of offer, but what's one piece of advice for a pastor in a CHC that is maybe trying to, to get a sabbatical? I know you kind of gave us some helpful nuggets there, but what's, what would you say to a pastor who doesn't have uh, a sabbatical as part of sort of their, you know, policy at church. Yeah. How can you get to that? And I'm thinking, you know, like you said, there's, there's a possibility of having somebody advocate for you, um, another past, but if you're kind of like a, just a solo guy, um, at a CHC, which of course there are a lot of what's, what's your, what would your approach be? Before, before you answer Enoch, I'll just add for that person, Jalen, my advice would be, get Enoch to come so that he can advocate for you Correct. to your board. But yeah. now you can give the real advice. for. <laughs> well, the real thing is as a Chinese heritage church pastor, I would, I would never dare to offer advice, <laughs> but if they're interested in my thoughts, I'd be happy to share that. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that could be said, but if I'm imagining the scenario you're talking about, um, someone that has joy, but, struggles with feelings of weariness and loneliness. Um, and, and again, not that everyone in that situation is like that. The, my thoughts kind of go to, like everything in life, we can become fixated on a form or a particular outcome, like, oh, if only I had a sabbatical. And, you know, it might seem mm. insensitive or petty or easy for me to say, yeah, you're getting a 12-month sabbatical right now. You know, who are you to talk? But, but I think really, because you can take a sabbatical, but if, if when you come back, things are the same, then you maybe fall in danger of a sabbatical enabling an unsustainable or unhealthy uh, pace. Mm -hmm. And again, God can call us to run for 40 days and 40 nights without eating. Uh, you know, I guess those sorts of things. So there's definitely times you put your shoulder to the stone and, and just dig in and, and things like that. But, so, but generally speaking, uh, I think it might be more worthwhile to 
if someone feels a great need for sabbatical, my my sense would be perhaps converse, conversing with a potential, I don't want to say mentor, but someone with a little more experience or even just a sounding board or even getting some counseling. But the kind of person you're talking about probably doesn't have the financial resources to get counseling and pay for it. So, um, but I think the idea would be, what would a sabbatical gain you? Mm. Like try to be clear. Because mm. some of it is just recognition that I work hard. Let's be honest. Like the reason why people don't think some they, these pastors get sabbaticals is they have an easy job. They only work one day a week, right? So that is discouraging. So we often say burnout costs the, I think burnout is incredibly helpful catch all, but incredibly unhelpful because there's so many different kinds of burnout. Mm-hmm. People burn out and they say, I need to take a break. And in our ministry, I've always said, okay, if you want a break, that's fine. I would love to hear your goals on your break. But of course they don't have goals. They just want to stop. In my experience, if you just stop, that doesn't fix or change anything. If anything, you just kind of go deeper into your direction. So if you want to take a break from, say, a Friday night youth ministry because you're burning out, well, then what do you mean burning out? Like there's a kind of physical, there's a kind of exhaustion that doesn't go away after several nights of good sleep. That is not physical only. That's emotional. That's spiritual. That's attitudinal. That's discouragement. I think people are more burned out from discouragement. Than they are from physical exhaustion. Because I know a lot of people that have intensely physically laborious jobs. They are very happy people because then they leave their job, they're done with their job. Does that make sense? So so I think it probably would be about not fixating on that one sabbatical thing, but more like, okay, what do you feel you need the sabbatical for? And how can we try to build? Because I suspect you can build those things slowly into your life. Because if they gave you sabbatical, but nothing else changed, you'll be pretty much right back where you are within weeks of returning from your sabbatical, maybe even hitting harder because it hasn't changed. Um, I know that sounds really dark and discouraging. Um, And you're kind of saying, so Enoch, you're basically getting me out of trying to get a sabbatical. No, I think you should do that. But I also think when you ask for things in a state of spiritual embitteredness, it may not come across the way that you want. And so I think that's a really important Thing. And then you actually may sour your church to the idea of sabbaticals and which yeah. would be harmful for yourself in the future. So, so I think um, if one is in need of a sabbatical, one can build in things now to try to take it, figure out what's the issues going on in their heart. And, uh, and I think that's how you could, you could ask your church, could you pay for some counseling? Could you, so it's really now getting tactical. Does your church have any mechanisms or levers or sort of output of like, caring for their shepherd you know is it like even if it's can i go to one counseling session a year (laughs) like like even that if there's zero to that that's a big deal yes but if they do one then people might go wow okay pastor's trying to deal with it like oh i didn't know the pastor had problems (laughs) Mm -hmm. or literally uh some people might think i guess our pastor's weak they need counseling right so those things you're gonna have to go through those milestones those those humps before you get to a place where okay you do expect something of a higher standard from your spiritual leaders, but they're still human and um, they still need support and encouragement, other things. So like any sort of expression, you know, do you have, honestly, it's the same vein as continuing ed. Can I go to a conference? Can you guys pay for a conference? Like, like continuing education, like anything along those lines I find gets the church realizing, okay, we need to treat our pastor like a person. 
just like you might in your own professional development. And the other tact, so is there anything there? Because then you can lean on that. Maybe it's not a sabbatical, but hey, you know, that continuing education of $100 a conference was generous in the 80s, but it doesn't even get me a meal at this thing now. Like, so, but it's not about getting more money. It's often more effective to say, hey, there's this really good conference. Can I tell you about it? And your church goes, yeah, this could be helpful. And then you say, so it costs X dollars. Could the church help in some way? So getting them in the idea of that is helpful. But then, of course, in that journey, you might identify people that are, I feel like God seems to have place. And I know sometimes there's no one, but I feel like in most of the churches I've talked to, even if the pastor won't acknowledge it, there seems God's always put people that have a heart for their pastor and their family. They may not be influential leaders. They may not be wealthy and can donate like cars and stuff, but there's someone has a heart for that person. If that person can be activated more or encouraged, then that's often the way it kind of works out. You know, that person might be not the most outspoken or vocal deacon, but if they're in the system, they can make an advocate and things like that. So, but in the end, that's sort of some of the beginning steps. So, um, but I would say, sorry, this, I always feel guilty because I always feel like oh, they're going to say, Enoch, we have to make yours a two part episode because you talk too much. But, <laughs> but, um, but, but I think um, those would be some of the practical steps to explore. Like, what do I need a sabbatical for? Would just talking to an, a mentor or counselor, and I don't want to get hung up on mentor because some people say there's no mentor, just talking to someone, even me or any of you guys, like honestly, could have a probably good, great listening ear um, mm -hmm. that would help along the thing. Uh, but know that if you have a supervisee, it's probably fairly effective to advocate for them yeah, and get the church going. And you could, if you're, because this is honestly how I'm going to be a little bit crass. If your life stinks at that church, but you supervise someone, you can make their life a little bit less difficult. And that's, that's very uncharitable because I'm sure the church wouldn't, appreciate being characterized that way but if that's how it feels like, like church is sucking me dry like doesn't appreciate me criticizes my wife or my spouse all that stuff then do you take it out on someone you supervise hmm. or are you trying to with god's grace not become more bitter hmm. and at least make it a little bit better for the next person yeah and in doing so then maybe you're passing it forward so that hmm. those are some of the long-term things it's i don't even know if that's good advice that's just some things i might be worth thinking about, but, um, but yeah, you should ask Stephen Chin to come and talk to your elder board also, because he's older and have much more respect than any church would give me. <laughs> so, or Daniel Chan, those are my last and Kurt senior pastor. They're, they're both wonderful leaders. And I think they would, they would with conviction and experience be able to wax and wane eloquently on wax eloquently on the benefits of sabbaticals. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, no, you know, you know, I gotta love just the perspective you've brought and advice and encouragement for our listeners. I, you know, my hope is not just for them to um, be able to uh, explore this uh, with their churches, but also that for you, as you are about a month into sabbatical now, that that the Lord would accomplish all He wants in your time. Um, as you both rest and work. Um, and I, I really like how you said that, that you keep that rhythm. It just looks really different from the day-to-day -day of, you know, local church ministry. So yeah, we'll, we'll be praying for you, thinking of you. And uh, since you said you have more time to spend with, with your friends and your networks, maybe we'll have you back on, you know, a couple months from now, just get an update on how that's going. And you can tell us about all the books you're writing and things you're doing, <laughs> places you're speaking, you know, so 
And uh, yeah, that'll be good. So thanks for coming on tonight with us, Enoch. And again, an early happy birthday to you and to same to you, Jalen. Thanks, John. Happy birthday. Thank you, Enoch. Thank you, guys. It's always a pleasure and always an honor. Happy birthday. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.